This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Firstly, apologies for the delay. Sorry for keeping you waiting. I'm not driving over here, so I've got to wait for rides. So first of all, it's a beautiful, beautiful idea that working people come together once a week and you spend the morning learning. It's a beautiful, and this is really what I want to focus on. Um, on the country, I don't want to frighten you. I just want to encourage you, and I want to, I want to, I want to really bring out this idea: what it means to be a working person, and the avoid of a working person. Everybody knows what the avoid of a guy who sits and learns all day long. But what's the avoid of a working person? Is he, is he, is he secondary chasu shalom? Is he better? Is he the same? Or when it comes to working, comes to a religious Jew working. In the working world, you have to know that you have the possibility of being one of either extremes. Being a from religious, good, solid, working person can bring you to the greatest yichud with Hashem, can bring you to the greatest, greatest bond and union with God on one hand. And on the other hand, God forbid, it can lead a person all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way to idol worship. A person who's learning all day long, so he's, living, he's leading a beautiful, protected life. Anybody that can do that, it's fantastic. After the sin of Adam Arishan, we were cursed. At some point, most people have to go out and work. You have to realize the Kiddush Hashem. You have to realize the sacred avoid of what it means to go out to work. You know, so many people, if you talk today about somebody, you ask him, so where, as you ask a working person, what is your spirituality of the day? So everybody's going to answer you, what do you mean? I have a shacharit, I have a share, I come from Mincha. That's, that's not a, it's an incorrect answer. If somebody asks you as a working person, what is your spirituality of the day? You say my spirituality of the day is my whole day. What do you mean the whole day? The whole day? Of course, but you're locked up in your office for 12 hours a day. That's my spirituality. What are you doing? Why, why is that spirituality? And this is a very basic misconception that people have. And that's why people fall. You guys have to realize the beautiful opportunity of, and here I'm talking to people that dedicate every Wednesday, the whole morning, to, to Torah and Avodah, it's an incredible thing. A working person can bring about it the greatest Kiddush Hashem that nobody else can bring about. And I'm going to develop it. It, might, it won't take too long, and I want to take questions after it, but I just want to bring you, I just want to show you how the, the, your, your potential over here as, as a working person is so huge. And it can be taken both ways, and when it's taken both ways, it's taken to both extremes. I mean, how is it? Let me ask you a question. Something that you recite a few times a day. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. Achdus Hashem, the oneness of God. The oneness of God. That's Judaism. Judaism is whatever you're doing, bring out the oneness of God. How do we continue? What's the next pasuk? Ba'ahavtus Hashem Alekech, you have to love God. Bechol Levavcha, with your whole heart. That's not an easy task. With your life, you're going to be willing to give up your life. In other words, you have to love Hashem with your whole heart. You have to love Hashem with your whole soul. But that's not the end of the story. What's the climax? means with all your money. Which means that the oneness, the Hashem Echad, that a Jew can carry out, more than with his whole heart, more than with his soul, is with his money. 
That's the greatest yichud. A person who lives a life, a working life, a money-making life, for the sake of Hashem, is bringing out the greatest yichud and the greatest kiddush Hashem possible in creation. And that's why the second chapter of Shema, which is actually appears in this week's parasha, is you got to work. It's part of the oneness with Hashem. It's an incredible thing. We had a Beta Mikdash. The Beta Mikdash is the place. If I were to ask you, what is the Beta Mikdash mainly for? Who is it mainly for? The answer would be the Beis Hamikdash. Do you know, do you know what the Beis Hamikdash was called? In Nach, in Novi, it was called Beis Zavul. It was basically named after also Zvulun. Zvulun was a merchant. There was Yisachar. He learned the whole day, and then Zvulun. Zvulun was the businessman. He was the merchant. The whole Beis Hamikdash is called Beis Zavul. Why? To build the Mishkan, we brought all our gold. We brought gold. Why didn't Hashem bring down the gold from heaven? We wanted to show. That we understand that the purpose of money, the purpose of gold, is to build a house, a palace, a domain down here for Hashem in this world. That's the purpose to go out to work. The purpose to go out to work is to take this world and make this world into God's. You know, it's a very, you've got to balance, a very, you've got to balance, balance this avoider. On one hand, the Pasuk says, Lashem this, this world is God's. On the other hand, the Pasuk says, this, this is man's world. Which is it? The Gemara asks the contradiction. The answer is, Hashem gave us this world to show, to bring out. To designate this world, to make this world into a sanctuary for Hashem. And that only the businessman can do. A person that goes out to work every day, and you ask him, what's your spirituality? My work. I daven, I learn, and I got to work. I've been to offices where they have svarim in the offices. Offices where they have shiurim. Offices where they give free food for, for secular students that they should eat kosher food. There's so much to do. And when you do that, you're building a sanctuary for God. In the Mishkan, you had the Menorah, which represents Torah. And across the Mishkan, you had the Shulchan. The table, which represents work, which represents wealth. And the Pasuk says, as our rabbis explain, that the light of the menorah used to shine onto the table. You know why? Because when you're at your table, you're at your office table. The light of the menorah should be shining on your table. The light of Torah should be shining on your table. There are people, you come into their office, the first thing, question they ask is, you know, what did you learn this morning? Can I share a halacha with you? I have spared tefillin over here for people that haven't yet put on tefillin. I know somebody here in Los Angeles, here in Pico, that has a warehouse and he made part of his warehouse into a shoe. And every Monday and Thursday they have Kriyata Torah over there. And people come and they put tefillin and he makes a minion. That's a sanctuary. When you come and you get up and learn and daven and then you learn and then you go to work, you bring your tefillah and you bring your Torah into your office. You're carrying out the greatest Kiddush Hashem and you're making this world into God's orchard. It's the greatest thing possible. It's a Bet HaMikdash. But I want to go deeper. And when you hear this, you'll fall off your chairs. So hold on to the table. I made a bracha, right? Huh? I drank already? 
נגיד? What did you have in the holy of the holies? You had the orange, the ark. A lot of Caleb in the Besamekdash had poles to carry because they used to dismantle the Mishkan and move it and carry it from place to place. When you see a picture of the Caleb in the Besamekdash, the only picture that's vivid in your mind of one of the vessels in the Mishkan that had poles is which one? Very good. You see the pictures, the aura in the ark. You know why? Because they were not allowed to remove the poles from the aura. The Torah says, La yasuru The aura has to have its poles attached at all times. The other kalim only need for carrying. When you build a mishkan, you take the poles off. They don't need poles in the mishkan. You're not carrying them when the mishkan is built. The orange, the poles remained on the Mishkan, on the orange throughout. You weren't allowed to take them off. Says the Holy Meshachachma. The poles represent those holding up the Torah. Who holds up the Torah? Who supports the institutions? The businessman, the philanthropist. He's the poles. Says the Meshachachma, you're not allowed to take the poles off the orange. You know why? Because the philanthropist, because the person who uses his money to further Torah education, He's one with the Torah. He is one. He is one. He is inseparable to the Torah itself. And that is the Kodesh Kadashim. The Kodesh Kadashim is called the bedroom in Navi. It's called the bedroom of our marriage between us and Hashem. It's the bedroom. It's the Yichud. It's the greatest oneness and bond between us and Hashem. Who's inside? The Torah and the working man. And they're not just inside there as two separate kale and two separate components. They are one union. You mustn't separate them. It's a love in the Torah. La yasurum imenu. You're not allowed to separate them. Which means if a guy knows how to work, if a guy knows what going out to work is all about, he's doing more than the menorah, more than the shulchan. He's one with the Torah in the holy of the holies in the Kodesh Kadasim. It's an incredible thing. That's supporting Torah. And supporting Torah also means learning with people in your offices, making shirim in your offices, going to your office with a feeling this is an extension of my davening that I just had. It's the greatest oneness. It's the greatest union with Hashem can be the working person. And again, I'm not telling all the people learning in Kol to go out to work. If a person can, and it's important for a person after his chasna to learn, waiting to learn as long as possible in Kol, so that later when he goes to work, he should feel that he's anchored in Torah, and therefore this is an extension of what he's had until now. But you have to realize this is the opportunity is, is, is the greatest opportunity. Let's look a second from the negative side of it. And I'm only, I'm only taking you to the other extreme, only to appreciate the extreme that you're in now. If knowing how to deal with money, knowing how to be an, a, a, an honest businessman, if that brings you inside the Kodesh Kedoshim, if that brings you to the greatest union with Hashem, then if you don't use your money correctly, and I don't mean you swindle or you steal, I mean, if you feel that your business is your idol, you feel that your money making, you feel that this is your thing. You feel, ah, this is what brings you, this is what excites you in life. Davening is one thing, I can't wait for davening to be over. It can lead to idol worship. Sounds very strong for me to say so. But you know what? What does Rashi say at the beginning of Sefer Devarim? First Pasuk. The Dizov. Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu defended the Jews 
and said they built you, they built you, they built a golden calf. You know why they built a golden calf? Because you gave them too much money. You gave them too much money. And when you give them too much money, what ends up is an idol. And we say this, it's one of the sukim in Halal, when we say the full Halal on the Chagim. The Pesach says, At Sabehem, they're idols. Kesev is of silver and gold. Money can be an idol. Money built the golden calf. And money can be the union in the Kodesh Kodeshim. Because the opposite of, of the Kodesh Kodeshim is Avodah Zarah. Kodesh Kodeshim, we're one with God. If money is used, that, you're breaking that union. And that's Avodah Zarah, it's one of the two. Why is it such a Nisayon? And I see you guys, are, you guys are here to listen, so I'm going to delve slightly deeper. Why is it such a Nisayon in our generation? I have a hobby. I enjoy talking to old, old Jews. And I'm not that old. But I enjoy, I enjoy hearing what, what, what life was like before in the shtetl. And what, what, what was life like before the war? What's the difference? In the, you know, the Holocaust like blew everything and it was a whole, like a whole new world after the Holocaust. Like after the mumble. I like talking to people. So you hear this all the time. Their working was part of the Avodat Hashem. Their working was part of the Avodat Hashem. They employed each other. You know, if you want to go back far enough, he had a cow in his backyard. He had a sheep. So he sold that neighbor the, the wool and he sold the milk. And I mean, basically they weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't in their grand or offices 10 hours a day. You know, it was a means of putting food on the table, but they were so, it was, it was part of the Avodat Hashem. In the last few decades, it's mamish become an idol. It's become an idol. Instead of becoming a union. Why is that? Because we today are at the end of Gaulus of Rome. We discussed this yesterday. Rome is Amalek. It's Gematria Amalek. Reish Mem is Gematria Amalek. And let me share something deep with you. Yaakov and Esau were born as twins. 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 Twins means they're alike. What was Esau's avoid and what was Yaakov's avoid? The Pesach says, they grew up. Yaakov, as you all know, is an Ishtam, Yosheva Halim. Yaakov, we know, sat and learned. Esau was an Ishtada. What does it mean he was an Ishtada? What was it supposed to mean? Not what does it mean. What was it supposed to mean? What it was supposed to mean was that Esau had a very sacred task. Esau had potential greatness to be a partner with Yaakov Avinu. Esau was an Ishtada. They were twins. It's part of one deal. Esau was the one who was going to provide. He was the one to go out to work. He was an Ishtada. He was the one to go out to provide for Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was destined to learn. Esau was to provide for Yaakov Avinu. And if that would have been the case, then Esau and Yaakov in this world and the next world, for all the next worlds, would have been partners in everything. Partners in everything. Esau would have sat with Yaakov Avinu in this world, the next world, and all the worlds. Yaakov was an Ishtam Yasheva Halim, and Esau was an Ishtadeh. That was Esau was born for. And we can go even further back. Because we know that Gemara says in Bometziah that Yaakov Avinu was Adam HaRishon. Esau and Yaakov is the same thing in Ganadin as Adam HaRishon and the snake. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin that the snake was created with a, with a sacred task. He was a wonder snake. He was walking on two feet. He could talk. What was he created for? He was created to provide for other Mauritians. He was created to provide. He was a partner to other. 
He messed up. I don't want to be a partner to Adam. Esau messed up. I don't, I don't want to spend my money just on helping Yaakov. You know, money is a wonderful thing in of itself. I want to build myself a palace. I want to have a whole fleet of cars. A yacht, a helicopter. Why should I provide to Yaakov Avinu? Money is great. Money is, I'm worshipping my money. It can buy me so much, so much wealth. I can boast. I can show people my new car. I'm going to go round and round the block with my new car until every member of the community has seen it. Why should I spend it on something else? Why should I give it for spirituality? Spirituality is for shacharit, for mincha. That's what Esau thought. He blew it. He was, it was meant for them to be together. This was going to be the greatest union. It was going to be the greatest shutfut. It's going to be the greatest partnership. But Esau doesn't want that. Esau wants to use money to buy cars. And that's the goddess that we're living in today. That's the galut that we're living today. Because we're living at the end of Golas of Rome, which is the Golas of Esau. And this is the Nisoyan today. This is the Nisoyan today. You with your money can enter the Kodesh Kodashim. With your money, you can become, the, you can bring out the greatest Kiddush Hashem. You can make this world into a, a garden, an orchard for Hashem. You can turn this whole world into a Rishut Yachid for Hashem. Look at the whole story of Purim. Achashverosh makes a feast to show his wealth. As the Pasuk says, Baharai says, He wants to show the whole world his wealth. The tables, the chairs they were sitting on, the cutlery, the silver, the gold. He wants to show everybody how wealthy he is. And the Jews enjoyed the feast. Nanu, they enjoyed the Surah Shalachashir. What are you enjoying? Seeing a person boasting his wealth? Seeing a person who's stealing God's creation and using it for his own selfish holiness. You know, there's two opinions in the Gemara why the terrible decree of Purim took place. The one is because they enjoyed the feast. And the other one is because they bowed down to the statute of Nebuchadnezzar. But you know what? They're both very similar answers. They're both Avodazar. Whatever, bowing to the statue is not exactly Avodazar. It's like sort of Avodazar, you could call it. But the first one is they enjoy that feast. What are you enjoying? You're enjoying seeing somebody that took all the money in the world for himself and is using it for his own selfish pride. That's what money's for. That's like Avodah Zarah. And that's why they all had to bow down to Homon. It's Avodah Zarah. Because I'll say the Homon was weighing something that was weighing like an idol. It's Avodah Zarah. And that's why Homon rose to power. Why did Homon rise to power? Homon is Amalek. Amalek comes from Esau. Esau was created as the Ish Sadeh to provide for Yaakov Avinu. But he uses, he wants to use it as something for himself. It's my money. It's my money. You hear this all the time. It's my money. It's hard for me to give anything away. It's hard for me to give charity. Don't you realize that when you're giving charity, you're taking everything you've earned, you're taking the money of this world and you're bringing it back to its source. You're bringing it back to Lashem Haaretzim Loyal. It's sacred. It's beautiful. It's divine. Don't you realize that when you can go out, when you, when you go out to work, you can bring such a Kiddush Hashem to the world. There's no greater Kiddush Hashem than somebody that's a working person, somebody that can be a billionaire. And you watch him learning, you watch him davening, you watch him, it didn't go into his head, you watch him, you watch him, you watch him davening Shmon Esther. 
In London, we have two brothers. They're from the wealthiest Jews in the world. Two Baba Bachasidim. One of them, one of the two brothers is a Rosh Hashiva. They're running one of the greatest real estate businesses in the world. In England, and America, and everywhere. And one of them is a Rosh Hashiva. And he gets up, he gives a shit in his house at 6 o'clock in the morning. And he gives a she'eon in, in his yeshiva. He has a yeshiva, a yeshiva in London there. And he goes for three, four hours to the, to, 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 they have an enormous office building in the middle of London. But he's a Ben Tarai. You watch him daven. He raised his kids simple. Gives loads of stock. It's such a kiddush Hashem. That's the Kodesh Kodashim. He's sitting there with God in the Kodesh Kodashim. On one side it's the Kodesh Kodashim, but on the other side it can be Avodazar. The story of Purim begins showing how Achashverosh made money, made, 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 made material, the material world into an Avodazar. What's the end of the story of Purim? We take our money, we give it away for, for mitzvahs. Matanot Levyonim, Shlachmonas, helping, bringing Simcha. That's what we're doing. You find this, I'm sure you guys have seen this yourselves. The people that are sold to their money, to their businesses, it's their mamish pride and joy. You're allowed to feel happy with your conversions, yeah, but not, you shouldn't idolize it. These people are never happy. A person that realizes the purpose of going to work, the purpose of money. To make a Kiddush Hashem, those people are always happy. Because on one hand, Baruch Hashem, they have, they have the money. But on the other hand, they're Abdei Hashem and they're happy. But you know what the, the deeper reason why they're happy? And this is very deep. Because they're learning and they're working when it's nicely balanced together as a union. It's much like a wedding. It's like a chasmi. What is the chasna between a boy and a girl? The Zohar Kodesh says, the Zohar Kodesh says that the male is the neshama and the female is the guf. A union of the physical and spiritual. That's what marriage is. And that's the simcha. Simcha is when the two opposites come together. Simcha is when something physical and something spiritual marry. They form a union. That's a wedding. That's the happiest day. That's why Purim is such a happy day. Because we destroy Amalek. Who was Amalek? Somebody who was born to be together with Yaakov, to work and to provide for Yaakov. He separated, he divorced himself from this union. When we destroy him and we use our money to give tzedakah, we use our money for, 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 to make a kiddush Hashem, it's the happiest day. Purim is the happiest day of the year. You, you, you erase Amalek, you destroy Amalek, it's the happiest day of the year. When you balance your business with your learning, when you feel that I'm leaving my, I'm leaving the shul now, I learned and I davened, I'm going to work. You feel it's a union, you feel it's a shidduch. It's a chasana. A good day like that, where you felt Hashem, where you are sitting at the office, and it's the shulchan, it's the menorah and the besamingla shining on the, on the table in your office. It's a union, it's a chasana, it's happiness. And then you see the perot of it. Other people come in, they say, wow, and then they do the same. And then it's like your children, you see the perot. And that's why it's so happy. That's why coming to the Beis Amigdash was so happy. The Beis Amigdash is called, in the Shir Shalyom, it was a happiness. Why? Because it was the base of all. Because it was Zvon. Because it was the menorah shining onto the table. It's really one thing. The Holy Sfarna, one of the commentaries on the, in the Makros Kedalus Chumash, the Sfarna writes, that the menorah was one vessel in the Mishkan that was built from Miksha Achas. It was banged and beaten out of one solid piece of gold. It was very difficult. Mishra Rabbeinu couldn't do it. Why was it beaten out of one solid gold? Piece of gold. 
says the Sefana, because the right side of the menorah, the three candles on the right side represent Torah that was given to Yimin on the right. The three candles on the left represent wealth and working. As the Pasuk says, Bismoyla Oshev Chavod. Three candles on the right, the three candles on the left were facing the middle candle. It's called for the same purpose. It's all one piece, it's all one menorah. Because you feel when you, when you come to shul to daven and to learn, and then you go into your office, and you're gonna work for the next ten hours, you're just walking from this side of the menorah to this side of the menorah, but you're in the same menorah still, it's all made out of one piece of gold. It's all made out of one piece. That's the simcha. All three regalim, all three yomim toivim, our three festivals that we have in the year, the Torah calls them after what's going on out in the field. Pesach is called Aviv, the spring. Shavuot is called Chaga Kotze, when you harvest. That's Shavuot. Shavuot is Matan Torah. Shavuot is called the harvesting time, harvesting season. And Sukkot is called Chaga Asif, you gather together the crop. Why should the Chagim, where we all came to the Besamegosh, be named after what's going on in the field for the farmer? Because the, the festivals are happy days. The festivals are happy occasions. There's Zman Sim Chaseinu. Zman Sim Chaseinu, happiness in your life, depends how you connect your fields to the Besam English. You're coming now to the Besam English. How do you connect those two lives that you're living? You connect them. There's a union. It's a marriage. It's a simcha. It's yamtif. This is what we're struggling. People, so many people are struggling with, with today in today's generation. All of you have to realize that the Wednesday that you come and you learn here, you put, you put, you open your office late, a few hours later, you have to realize that you're growing from that. And then even when you go to your office, you realize, you realize what's the priority, you realize what's important, what's the ikar and what's the tafel. You realize that the purpose of going to work is to make an orchard for God. The purpose of going to work is not that I have my spirituality and now leave me alone, let me go to work. It's all part of one menorah. It's part of one piece of English. It's part of the Yisachah's Zvulan deal. It's a tikkun to where Esau went wrong. It's a tikkun to where the snake in Ganeiden went wrong. It's a tikkun to all that. It's rectifying all that. And that's bringing the Gula closer. That's this Nisayan of today. But somebody that works like a Ben Torah should work. Somebody that works understanding the purpose of work is rectifying the original sin. And is rectifying the whole Gullus, why, why we were sent out, sent out of, sent out of Gullus, sent into this long exile. And that's why it's such a big Nisayan, because it's the end. It's the end. And the end of an exile, the end of an exile is the exile comes out. It's the last burst of, of energy that Esau is trying to put in over here. To try to separate us. To try to make it into Abu Dazar. To try to make it into Abu Dazar. To try to make it, Mamish, I work into Atzabeim, Kesavazar of Maisir Deodon. And that is, we're not going to let it. We're not going to let it. We have to bring about the Gula. We have to rectify the sin that took place in Ganeden. We have to destroy Amalek. We have to bring back to the times where, where, where we're going to see every part of our day as one of one Hashem. The union, the marriage, the chasana. You come back after a day's work and you feel that my, my, my time I spent in the office, I was careful what I said. I was careful the language I used. And there's so many secular Jews I'm dealing with. I wasn't embarrassed today to tell them, you know what, let me share with you something on the parasha. The guy says, what parasha? I haven't heard that word for 25 years. You share with him a word. You share with him a devatara. You come home that evening, you feel you're coming home from a chasna. 
You feel that you made a chasm, you feel that you made a union. It's such a beautiful life. It's such a life of simcha. It's so important. So Hashem Yazor, HaKadosh Baruch should help you all, that you should be Zorcha Be'emet Be'emet, to appreciate this and to be working B'nai Torah, to make that chasna, to make that wedding, to make that simcha between working and learning together. And in that schut, we should all be Zorcha Hashem to the Gula and to Mashiach Tzidkeinu B'mherab Yameinu. Amen. Any questions? I didn't say that. So there's different stages in a person's life. Different stages in a person's life. A person, as I said, in years when he's a bachur, and after the wedding as well, he should try to learn as many years as he can, as many years as he can afford, because that is going to enable him to succeed in avodah later when he goes out to work. It happens to be the fact of the world is that most people eventually go out to work. So you've got to know how to do that. You've got to know how to do that. But... The Balatani writes this in Parashas Noach, in a certain, to a certain degree, the Kiddush Hashem of a person, a Ben Torah, when he goes out to work, is the greatest thing, even greater than somebody else, yes. The order of what? It says, and then it says, yeah. you have to love Hashem with your, with, with, with your soul. And then it says, which means the highest level, means your money. The highest level is to love Hashem with your money. Because then you're turning Avodah Zara, something that can potentially become Avodah Zara, you're turning it into a union with God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? There is definitely a level, definitely for sure, there's a level where a person, even, even forget all that. When a person makes Baruch Hashem, he's very successful. On the contrary, part of that being very successful is I'm not bound. I'm not addicted to my work. I can take a step back. I can employ a few more people, work less, and learn more. Of course, that's part of not being addicted to your work. That's true. It's part of being addicted to your work. Some people, if they're Zoycha, so then they take a step back and learn more and more. There's other people that, that, that are struggling. Other people that make comfortable, they have to work hard. And then they have to know how to do it. They have to know how to accomplish uh, a Kiddush Hashem while they're working. I always get asked this question. You know, if a person gets a, wins the lottery of $20 million. So, of course, if it's possible and a person can, a person is nothing greater than, than Shifti Bebeis Hashem, Koli Mechai, Lachas Ben Hashem. The fact is that for the, for the masses of people, it's, it's not, it's, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic. So, so you've got to know how to carry, how to bring, how to always look at that. In other words, of course, Somebody sitting and learning the whole day is protected. He's dvekas with Hashem. Kino, it's like in the times of Hashem English. You had the Kohanim and the Levim. We, we discussed this lad at last night in the Sheikh. And then you had the farmer. He brings his Bikurim. So who's greater? So of course the, the Kohanim is greater. So why do the Kohanim have to honor and leave the Hashem English and escort the farmer bringing his Bikurim? Because if you'd like to look at, generally speaking, globally, of course, Talmud Torah connected to Kulim. It's obvious. But there's something that the farmer has 
that the Talmud Chacham hasn't been, hasn't been tried with that Nisoyen. To work hard and to see his product, to see the fruits of his toil and to give it away. That's something that the coin who doesn't have a portion and doesn't see. So we're not talking about who's great or who's not greater. Hashem puts everybody in their, in their, in their place where they be. And they have to know how to maximize, have to know how to maximize where they are. And it's not just that the person who's working is secondary and he's a much lower level and basically his whole avodah Hashem is just by not lying and not stealing and not this and paying his, doing his mice money. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. It's a potential Kiddush Hashem and it's a potential union that goes all the way inside the Kodesh Kodesh. On the contrary, that's what the Meshachachma says. The Oroin is the Torah, those who learn Torah, and the philanthropists are, 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 are hooked on. They're tied. You mustn't take them away. They're inseparable to it. Look, I think anybody who's a religious Jew understands that uh, that, that that dishonesty is not a is not a key to not a key to success. That, that, that it's more it's it's not it's not coming from a it's not coming from a from 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 a from a hashkofa. It's coming from they're 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 desperate to make more money. That's all. It's not coming from a place where no listen. If I want to be successful, I have to swindle. No, it's coming from like more of an addiction. It's coming from they can't hold back. They're so desperate to make a lot of money. It's not coming from a, a denial that they can't be successful otherwise. They just want to make quick money. It's like an Avarazar. That's what we say. It's like an Avarazar. So they can't, they can't control themselves. It's not coming from a Hashkafic point of view that you're allowed to steal, otherwise you can't make money. Nobody thinks that. Again, it's, you know, it's, it's somebody, it's somebody, it's somebody once sent a letter to one of the They're talking about, you know, the shaitels, yes, yeah, so, so covering the hairs. So if it's a tefak, what happens if it's, is it this tefak, is it that tefak? So the tzaddik answers, like, who are you fooling over here? Like, you know, like, who, who are you trying to fool over? Here? You're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to bribe God? You know, you're trying to say, you know, I've got corners, it's only a guy, like, who are you dealing with over here? Who are you playing around with? I need us to know that Parnas is Hashem, the mafteach, the key to Parnas is always, always been Biyad Hashem. And in, in, in the short run, somebody was biased in England. He was an Israeli. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't religious, but he lived two doors away from, from my house in England where I grew up in London. And the Shabbos, he was a, he, he honored religion. He used to park his car in the next street that we shouldn't see him going to drive on Shabbos. He started driving on Shabbos, going to work on Shabbos. A couple of months later, he had a huge robbery. Huge robbery. And he stole his goods. He was in silver. He sold his goods and he wasn't in short. And he told my father it was basically all the money that he earned on Shabbos. So, you know, it's, it's not so much people thinking or trying to, it's, it's part of the addiction of making money, that's all it is. And that's what I'm saying, trying to get you out of that. person has to realize there's so much potential in Avodah Hashem by working honestly and being a Kiddush Hashem. So much. There's so much connection to Hashem that can come. All the truma and the maisa. I mean, the farmers were so connected to the base of Miglosh. Truma, to the coin, maisa rishon to the lady. Bikurim, bring it to the base. They were so connected because it was all part of the, it was all part of this one union. Such great potential. A person has to be normal. In other words, it could be that to be to work to earn what you have to earn, you have to earn work eight hours a day or whatever the case is. If a person 
literally has emuna and lives with his emuna, he's going to see complete success. He's going to see things that he would have not imagined at all. It's exactly, it says, Kasha Parnasasai Shal Adam Kriyas Yamsuf, and it says, Kasha Zivugoi Shal Adam Kriyas Yamsuf. Why does everything compare to Kriyat Yamsuf? Kriyat Yamsuf, the Jews were standing at the Yamsuf. There was a sea in front of them. There was the enemy behind them. There was animals in a wilderness on all sides. They had no idea where the Yeshua is going to come from. Hashem said, just carry on walking. Just carry on walking. And the most unexpected happens. The same is with Parnassar. Just do your shtadlis. Where is it going to come from? There's a lot of people that qualified to be lawyers and they made money in real estate. A lot of people went into psychology and they made, and they, and they made the money somewhere else. Just just walk. If you go with Emunah, if you live with Emunah, but really with Emunah. And sometimes Hashem is going to test you on the way. You know, these guys, you know, they say, I'm closing my, I'm closing my business. Mamash chatzot ayom. I know in Besh Mesh Aram there was a story, he's not alive anymore. He was a sweet old Yushalmi Jew. And, uh, and he had a, like, one of these stores in Mesh Aram and sold talis and, and shofarot and all that. I happened to be once in the, once in his store. And, uh, and, and by the way, his store was a gold mine. And it was a shack of a place. You walk in, you were tripping over all his, all his merchandise he was saying. You've never seen such a messy store in your life. And, uh, and it was him and his wife. He was about 80. His wife's like 75. Both hard of hearing. They were yelling at each other. Like, this is a store that's doomed for failure. I was once in his store when they came to buy Shofarot to Hebrew University. The Hebrew University came. I don't know how they came into his store. I remember him saying, you know what? I don't know the halakha, but I have a feeling. I don't, you know, these Shofarot were made for Mitzvah Ked Rosh Hashanah. I don't want to send them. I don't want to send them to Hebrew University. I don't know what they're going to do with them there. That's the type of person he is. His place is a gold mine. There's another place in Mesha Arm where the guy, it's a silver store, where the guy closes 12 o'clock, Chatzot Hayom, Erev Shabbat, which is the, which is the peak season. Friday afternoon, Friday lunchtime peak season is where the whole world converges onto Gula and Mesha Arim. And he closes, he goes to Mikveh, puts the Shabbos case, goes to Shul. His store is a gold mine. In other words, sometimes Hashem will test you. And somebody will call you and with the slightest lie, you know, or, or with the slightest thing, or, or, or a woman wants to come to see you, and there's going to be a lack of sneers. You're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, um, succumb for sneers for 10 minutes, but she's going to buy so much from you that you say, I'm going to give all the money, I'm going to give half the money to a kolel. I don't know, you're going to have these, 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 these nisyanas. And it's sometimes very, very, you know, the person can get, can get very, very, very confused. If you're strong, you're going to see. You're gonna see, you're gonna see, you're gonna see a Yeshua, and it's gonna come from anywhere. It might not even come from, it might not even come from your business. It can come from somewhere, it can come from somewhere totally, totally, totally different. People who are, and I know somebody in New York, a family, a time of mine, that they, 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 they became a very wealthy family. Their grandfather was in Wall Street, and he was the only Jew that wore his kippah. He wouldn't take his kippah off. And it's a, and I think it's like a, almost a law there, and he fought a lawsuit that he should be able to keep his kippah on. And so you could say this guy is finished with Panasa, you know, because he's, he's like, he's showing, you're sitting in Wall Street, you're in Gullis, you're not in that Israel now. And he became very wealthy from that because the, because the Goyim used to say, he's a man we trust. He keeps to his principles. He's honest. He's somebody that we trust. So if you go with, if you go with Shulchan Aruch and you go with the Munah, you're going to see big Yeshua. You're going to see very big Yeshua. And the same is with Sniot. And the same is with everything. The same is with everything. Loira isi tzadig ne'ezav. It's tried. There's a ton of stories like that, and it's true and it's a fact. Look at if you if you look at your work as avodas Hashem, then just like somebody comes in the middle of davening, a woman comes indecently dressed in the middle of Shemana, so you want to talk to her, <laughs> get out of the shul. <laughs> if you feel that your office is like a besamendrish, if you feel like your office is a place of kiddush Hashem, so then it's going to be exactly the same. It's just a mindset. 
It's just the mindset, how you view leaving your house, leaving shul and going to work. How do you, your mindset, how do you view your office? Is this like my spiritually free zone or is it a spiritual zone? And if you feel it as a spiritual zone, you'll have Siyat al-Shmaya and you'll have a lot of Simcha and you'll come home that day. You know the Moranayim says, the Moranayim says that there's a contradiction in, 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 in Tosu's asked the contradiction. What's the first question a person's asked when he goes up to Shemayim? Is it that he used set aside time every day to learn or is it he was honest in business? And there's a contradiction. So the Moranayim says it's not a contradiction. He says if a person works and he works according to the Torah, he can get reward for Talmud Torah, for learning Torah while he's working in his office. Because his mindset is, what does the Torah say in this case? What does the Torah say in that case? So his, his mind is occupied with Torah. So it's the same question. Did you set aside time to learn means that when you were working, were you learning at the same time? Not necessarily, there was a tzaddik who lived in Lugano. He was a hidden tzaddik, Ruchaim Elang, his name is. I was there in Lugano by him. I went to, I went to visit him once. He was a tzaddik mister, whatever whole story about him, not for now. But he ran it, he had a textile store there. He sold material in Lugano. Lugano is a small, there was a small community, a Jewish community, a very chosh of a community is the border of Italy. And, uh, so he was a Kabbalist. He was a secret Kabbalist. He was a hidden Sadiq. After he passed away, they saw in the store where all the receipts, he stood at the till, he stood at the till, and uh, I don't know what you call it, till in England. What do you call it here? Cashier. And, uh, he would have, he took the money. Not everybody picks up the receipts. So after he passed away, they saw a whole box of secret, hidden Chidush Torah in Kabbalah, what he wrote in between customers. This guy bought something, bought some material, he left, he didn't pick up his receipt, he quickly, his mind was working in Kabbalah, and he quickly wrote down his Chidushim, and then the next guy came to pay, <laughs> and, and whoever didn't pick up, he used to write down his Chidushim on Kabbalah, and they found such a box of all his Chidushim. So that's somebody who's is literally learning all day long in his store. But that's a, he was a very, very great tzaddik. But somebody who's Lorabani, somebody that looks down, we had this question yesterday as well, it comes to Tzniyot as well, especially in work, it comes to Tzniyot. Comes to Tzniyot. A person looks down, a person feels that, you know, a woman came in, she's a potential client, you're not going to stare at her in the face. She's not dressed modestly. You're going to speak to her. You're going to be polite. She'll look up at that. She'll appreciate it. She'll say, I'll try, I trust this guy. He's got his laws. His religion doesn't really align to do this, this and that. He lives his life according to religion. I trust him. He's not going to lie to me. A guy that doesn't stare at me because I'm not dressed the way he would want me to dress, he's not going to lie at me either. On the contrary, you feel you're going to lose out of the result. You're only going to gain as a result. That's Samitzias. That's Samitzias. It's just your mindset. What is your office? Your office, you know what, buy some svarim and bring them into your office. I was in, I've been in offices where the mamish, the office is a ton of svarim. And it's just nice, even if you never use them. It's nice. <laughs> a guy walks into your office, a client walks into your office and says, wow, this looks like a bit, a bit He says, oh. Huh? Who? <laughs> Struggle with that balance and staying on and not having that energy and 
not be worried about the, the, the stressors of the financial or, or just the other stuff and constantly going higher and higher. But there's too much leading time and you cannot sleep. You cannot eat. You cannot work out. You cannot. Here in America, you don't work on Sundays. And Fridays, you don't as well. So a person doesn't have to work. There's a Ben Shrein. Sorry? <laughs> shouldn't look at that as work. <laughs> the Ben Shrein says a guy comes up to Shemayim. And Hashem asks him, why didn't you learn more? He says, you know, I was busy. I had my eight-hour shift. Exactly, you know, press play. And hear everything you just said. So the Benish Chai writes that Hashem is going to tell the angels, let's pull out the Sunday records. Let's see what this guy did on Sunday. Okay, Sunday. From 8 to 10, he went cycling around the ocean. From, uh, from, from, from uh, 10 to 12, he played tennis. 12 to 2, he slept. Uh, 2 to 4, he had, a, he had a barbecue with his family outside in the park. And 6 to 8, or whatever, or whatever, whatever. He says, hey, 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 what's going on? In other words, the end of the day is true. Jewish life is very busy. We're here in this world to be busy. We're here in this world to be busy. But uh, first of all, you should know, you know, for example, in Israel, people work a lot harder. There's no Sunday. Sunday is, Sunday is a regular working day. It's beautiful over here. Friday, you work half day. Let's say a guy that works half day. So you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's a four out of seven day. There's plenty of time. So during those four days, it's, 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 it's more pressurizing. But otherwise, a Sunday, a guy can get up. There's time to be with his family. There's time to, there's time to swim. There's time to... You can go up to... I always tell guys, take food with you to shul on Friday and Sunday morning. And stay in shul till 12 o'clock. Stay and have two, three, four hours of learning at 12 o'clock. You go home, you spend time with your family. There is time. It's a busy schedule. We are here in this world a lot to accomplish. Right? Hayom Katsar Vamalacham Rabat says. So we're here, we're here to, that's what I'm saying. A lot of reasons why people are so lachutz, because they look at that eight hours as no spirituality. So they have such a lachatz. Because, okay, I've, I've closed my office now. I've wasted the last eight hours. Who said you wasted the last eight hours? Why did you have to do it in the way where you feel you wasted the eight, the eight hours? Have the omis. A, a father of a town once came to me. He says, Rebbe, I'm on my way, I'm on my way to work. You want to you wanna, you wanna check my pockets? He pulled out a, a, a Mishnah Yomi from this pocket. He pulled out a Mishnah Brua Yomi from this pocket. He called out a Tanakh Yomi from all these little Mishnahs, little this, little that. And he's stealing time the whole time. Like he's taking time the whole time and he's learning. And that's brought down in all this farm. If you learn, when you have time to learn, you have five minutes here and there to learn. It's as if you learned the whole day. Because this is the time you have to learn. So if you learn, if you stole five minutes here and five minutes there, you should feel very, very, very accomplished. If you had five slots or five minutes in an eight hour day, by Hashem it's considered you learned the whole day. I give the same advice to the whole world. And that is, don't leave your learning for evening. When you come back from work, you need to spend time with your wife. You need to spend time with your family. Go to bed early and get up early in the morning. When the whole America is still dead. You get up early in the morning. And I have a time in a month who finished shots that way. A working boy, he finished shots like that. He made a scene, he flew in the same, he made a scene at my house in Yerushalayim. You get up 5 o'clock in the morning. Go to bed at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. Don't go out to learn at night if you, if you haven't got time. You get up 5 o'clock in the morning. And you, I have a Talmud from, and he lives in the five towns. He gets up 5 o'clock. He drives, he's got like, he, he drives all the way from, from the five towns to New Jersey. And he works in a bank over there. 
And by the time 8.39, he's already learned two and a half hours and had a good dominant. And it's time where you're fresh. Your mind is fresh. Nothing's happened yet today. Either you go to shul. It's better to go to shul. But if you need, if you enjoy the comfort of your house, comfort of your house, learn for an hour and a half, two hours early in the morning. Early in the morning. The first siman of Shulchan Aruch is that you should get out. You should be up while it's still night. I'm from London. And winter nets is like nine o'clock in the morning. So if you get up 8.30 in the morning, you have this feeling I'm up in the middle of the night. And you do your learning in the morning. I guarantee you, if you have a two-hour learning and a proper davening, an hour davening, all korbanot, look at the zimra. And you then you go out to work, you're set for the day. You go out to work, your food, your 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 office will become the bet midrash. Is there any mind that in making my bedsitter more comfortable? Like, so like, the reason I'm wearing my sister's suit, my wife has my attention. I don't have shakos. I'm not going to use the money. Good, good. There should be time. You should, you shouldn't leave all learning for the evening. A person should not go to work until he's learned an hour. Yeah. It's, I'm saying it's worth, because if you start your day like that, it helps your day. A person keeps his main learning for the evening, so he hasn't yet really set himself for all the learning, for all the learning in the evening, for, for all the nisyanot during the day. When you learn in the morning, and you dive and you go out to work, is you, you, you're, you're beginning the day holy, and that helps you, that, that's, that protects you throughout the day. I'm sorry? That's right, that's right, that's right. Zaka Baruch. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.